Now encoding transmission. Transmission encoding completed. Have you often found yourself wondering about the unsolved mysteries and weirdness that surround them all? Now, I'm not saying it's definitely aliens, but it's definitely aliens. You're listening to Three Girls, One Cape. Can you handle the truth? Well, hopefully everybody is in um, good spirits and... This uh, late Sunday night, so if something really tragic has happened, I apologize for saying that we are hope you're in good spirits. <laughs> we hope that you're healthy. Yes. And we hope that you're not only in good health uh, physically, but also mentally. But I don't mean to kink shame right now, but some of the things that we're going to be talking about tonight. I hope that this is not what you have to resort to. Right, to exactly. And I also hope that you know that if you need to ask a medical professional's help, please do. Please yeah, see it's that. okay. Please don't, see go, don't go killing people because you need to bust a nut. All right? right. Like, it's out of control. Right. Out of control. Well, you know, a lot of people they don't end up starting with killing, you know, they'll end up starting with like beating the crap out of somebody. And that's like something that will turn them on. And then, you know, they realize with some people, you know, they realize that killing them pretty much gets them off faster in like a better way that they could ever imagine. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes that's what it does for some people. You know, they're kind of like, Oh, man, that was so good. And then they're sitting there with a dead body. Right. You know, like, I mean, that's their thing, not my thing, you know. Definitely Me not personally, my thing. I like to keep them alive. Well, I mean, some technically some of these people do keep them alive. So we're going to yeah. talk about um, on this part two that goes with our sexual <laughs> kinks episode that we had previously. We're going to talk about lust murders and... Um, we're, I'm going to go over kind of the topic of what a lust murder is, and then we'll get into some, um, overall, like, lust killers, and then we'll talk about some specific ones. We also yes. have some exciting news for girls that like serial killer penis. Yeah. If you, if you're into serial killers and that's, like, your thing, well... We got something special for you. Like, I think you should save it for the end because oh, I don't yeah, know. We'll save it I don't know how gruesome this episode is going to be, so we might want to leave it on a lighter note of serial killer penises. Yeah, we're not gonna. Yeah, we're not gonna get into that now. So it's like, hold on, ladies. Okay, it's like we'll get to that later. Oh, we'll until that time, why don't you um, why don't you give them the definition of what a lust killer is? All right, so um, a lust murderer or a lust killer is a homicide in which um, the defender uh, searches for erotic satisfaction by killing someone. Um, lust murder is the synonym um, is synonymous with a 
paraphilic term entophonophilia, that totally butchered that, which is sexual arousal or gratification contingent on the death of a human being. The Ooh. term lust killing stems from the original work of Richard von Kraftberg in his 1898 discussion of sadic homicides. Commonly, this type of crime is manifested by either murdering during sexual activity, by mutilating the sexual organs or areas of the victim's body, or by murder and mutilation. The mutilation of the victim may include um, evisceration, 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 (laughs) displacement of sexual organs, or both. The mutilation usually takes place post-mortem, although the killing sequence may include an act of sexual intercourse. Um, Sexual intercourse does not always occur, and other types of sexual acts may be part of the homicide. So, um, you know, it's not necessarily, um, you know, people having sex, but a lot of times it does have to do with people who you know will like torture their victims and get off on the fact that they're torturing them and then eventually they'll kill them so um the characteristics of a lust murderer sometimes include activities such as removing clothing from the body positioning and propping the body in different positions generally sexually ones um in uh in uh, insertion of objects into body orifices, cannibalism, and necrophilia. Most cases of lust murderer involve male, uh, although accounts of female lust murderers do exist. In general, lust murderer is a phenomenon most common among serial killers. These offenders have made a connection between murder and the sexual gratification. Then this type of offender chooses a victim there must be something about the victim that the offender finds sexually attractive. This attractive trait might be common along the offender's victims and is the offender's ideal victim type, IVT. Um, there might be uh, many potential targets that an offender passes by um, but does not meet their ideal victim. Once the offender has been found a victim of who is ideal, then they might engage in stalking or other predatory behaviors before acting out their fantasy on the victim. Fantasies are a key component in the lust murderers and can um, and can never be completely fulfilled. The lust uh, killer will have a fantasy that continues to evolve over time and becomes increasingly more violent as they struggle to... Uh, fulfill this fantasy ah yeah and it goes on to say that the most critical component in this psycho um logical development of serial killers is a violent fantasy especially in a lust murderer fantasies accompany intrusive thoughts about killing someone that are associated with other distressing uh psychopathic logical processes Fantasies can never be completely fulfilled. Sometimes the experience of killing can generate new fantasies of violence, creating a receptive cycle. The purpose of fantasy is a total control of the victim, whereas a sexual assault can be used as a vehicle for sexual control. 
sexual torture becomes a tool to degrade, humiliate, and subjugate the victim. Often the killer selects victims to stand as a proxy resulting from childhood trauma, which is actually very common as we were learning from the last um, sexual <laughs> like kinks that a lot of people had these weird sexual kinks that started when they were children because of yep. the way that they were raised or, you know, having mother issues or. Yeah, they were all, they were all pretty sick, you know. Yeah, most definitely. Um, Fantasies may be fueled by pornography and uh, and facilitated by alcohol or other causes. Typically, fantasies involve one or several forms of paraphilia. Uh, The term lust murderer is also used in a related but slightly different sense to refer to an individual who gains sexual arousal from the act of committing murder, who has a persistent sexual fantasies of committing murder, even if the murderer... Even if the murderer itself does not involve genitalia, mutilation, or other um, forementioned characteristics as such as a type of paraphilia. Although the dynamic of violent fantasy in lust murderers is understood, an individual's violence fantasy alone is not enough to determine if an individual has or has not engaged in lust murder. Um, moreover, to conclude that, that an individual is a violent psychopath because they have drawn multitudes of violent images is overreaching. So pretty much what I was saying that just because, um, somebody, (laughs) or you think someone is a psychopath and they may draw psychopathic pictures, doesn't mean that they've committed that, which I get. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, either way, like, you know. These are, these are some red flags. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, if, <laughs> you, should look for, if you think mm-hmm. that your significant other may have some of these red flags, it might be, this is the time to get out. This is the time to fucking just fucking go. Pack your shit and leave because, like... Yeah, go get that go. pack of cigarettes and never come back. Yeah. Run out for some milk. Yeah, whatever it takes, I mean, at this point, right? Yeah. Purposely buy the wrong cut of steak so that you have to go back to the store and get the right... Right, exactly. So I have a list of examples of um, some lust murderers, and then you and I can talk about some specific ones that we have uh, some information on. But this is just a general list. And some of them I don't necessarily think are actually lust murderers, but um, this is the the list that I found. So, you know, obviously, if you have more information or think some of these people or you have people that you think should be added in on this list, you know, shoot us an email. Yeah, let us know. Say something on Facebook to us, you know. Say something on Insta. Shoot us a message. We'll very like that. Yeah, we're, we're pretty nice most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not like, you know, plotting to kill. What? I mean, the first person <laughs> on the list is Rodney Alacasia is an American convicted rapist and serial killer who was sentenced to death in California for the five murders committed in the state between seven, 1977 and 1979. You know, something I have to say, excuse me for interrupting. But something that I have noticed in our research, damn, I've 
we, I'm so glad we were not around in the 70s. Why? Wait, who's around? Because I said, I'm so glad that we are not around in the 70s. Oh, yes, most definitely. <laughs> yeah, I was aroused in the 70s. <laughs> no, I'm so glad that we were not around in the 70s because it was like, it was almost like it was trending now. Like, you, what, you can't come? Choke a bitch. Choke the life out of a bitch. Like, I swear to God, like, I feel like that's what was going on. I mean, you had some many killers. You know, like, like they would just kind of like, yeah, like. Well, I mean, the end, this, even under just this, obviously, um, you know, for this to be its own category, there's like a, there's a decent amount of people who are, um, like less yeah. killers or, you know, people who get off on, I mean, like we said that it's not just getting off on death. There's all different types of people and we'll go into a couple of those like yeah. I said. Um, but the next one is Terry A. Blair. Um, he was an American serial killer who raped and killed at least seven women in Kansas City, Missouri. <sighs> so he was probably more so on the rapist. Like, yeah. you know, he would get off on the fact of raping people and then he would probably yeah, kill them. that was clearly his thing, I'd say. And then there's uh, William George Bowman. Mm. He was uh, known as the Freeway Killer, an American serial killer and twice-paroled sex offender who committed the rape, torture, and murder of a minimum of 21 boys and young men in a series of killings in from 1979 to 1980 in Southern uh, California. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a sick fuck, most definitely. <laughs> and then there's Ian Brady, oh. um, who is the uh, most famous for the murders, uh, the they call it the Moore murders, which took place over in the United Kingdom, which was him and his partner, Maura Hindley, um, would lure young children out onto the Moors and killed them. And they were uh, at least, I think, seven children. Yeah. And they all ranged from the youngest being... You know, like, I think it was, like, four or five, and he would rape them and then, um, you know, kill them somehow. Or, I mean, there wasn't, so technically, because the, most of the bodies were so badly, um, like, because they were pretty much buried in the moors. And she wasn't with him when they were doing that stuff, except for, like, the last one. So, um, I mean, I'm sure that the first couple weren't uh, very smooth and, you know. Yeah. And then there's Jerry Brudos, um, an American serial killer and necrophile who committed the murders of at least four women in Oregon between uh, 1968 to 1969. And he was known as the Shoe Fetish Slayer. Hmm. I have not heard about this one. I think that's the one that he, um, I can't remember 100%. You mean I know that I've watched enough freaking <laughs> things about serial killers, but I'm pretty sure that he was the one that, like, one day he was walking home and he sat, saw these black pair of shiny high heels. 
And then he, like, brought them home, and then his mom made them throw them out, and then, like, he hid them, and then she found them, and then she, like, set them on fire. And it was, like, became this, like, forbidden, like, you know what I mean? So, and then he would, like, kill women, cut off their legs, and make them model, like, the shoes of his victims. Oh, my God. (laughs) But I don't know if that was actually this guy is sick. So the next one is Doug Clark. Um, and he had an accomplice of Carol M. Brady. They were collectively known as the Sunstrip Killers. They were accused of and subsequently convicted of a variety of murders in Los Angeles, California. I think I remember hearing about these. Uh, the, the crime started um, June 1st, 1980 to August 1980. So they had like a little, they had six victims. So that's a lot. Obviously, that's only like two months, June to August. Yeah. They, they kind of go into town. Right. And then another one, which is probably a more popular one that everybody knows, which is Ted Bundy, Bundy. um, who is an American serial killer. Um, And we're... Were you going to talk about him? Should I not get too much into um, him? Like, yeah, like, I have, like, a couple of things, you know, noted about him. But, I mean, we can kind of discuss him a little bit now since we have him up. Yeah, that, that works. You know? Um, um, so, yeah, he was an Amerio, uh, American serial killer who kidnapped, raped, and murdered numerous young women and girls during the 1970s and possibly earlier. Yeah, he was... Um, was one sick fuck you know he he admitted to killing over 30 people um right but like you know they couldn't they couldn't prove all of those killings were done by him um right because at the end he was just trying to like get anything and he was really good at evading the police because he was really smart you know, um, that like that's how right. that's how he was very charismatic. You know, he was he was he was trying to become a lawyer. You yeah, know, I, I mean, mean, people almost would say that he was electric. <laughs> yeah, he was electric, all right. <laughs> the Bundy barbecue, like yep. that one was the thing they called it. That's the what they called it. They called it the Bundy barbecue, and might I add in that a woman flicked the switch? Take that, Bundy. Um, you know, because he was sick. Because he was sick, like especially like you know, I mean they they gave him the title of the Lady Killer. And also, he was also known as the dorm room killer because before he, his final killing that he did was one of the most brutal acts that he'd ever performed. And he did it extremely, he was very sloppy, it's what convicted him. Um, Right. You know, and uh, the teeth marks and everything, like, uh, all the evidence, I mean, there was a a great documentary, the Ted Bundy tapes that was on Netflix, and then, you know, Zac Efron did a fantastic job on... Yeah, I agree. I thought he did a fantastic job in that film that they did. Um, 
It was, yeah, most definitely. Actually, the part where they, like, were, you know, pretending, they were redoing the, like, home shot footage. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost didn't know that it was Zac Efron at first. I was like, oh, wow, like, Ted Bundy looks really young in this. And I was like, oh, shit, that's so funny. Like, he did it on point. Like, you know, like, he really did it on point. And, like, you know, and if people didn't already know this about Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy said that, like, you know, he, he, well, like, he started killing after he was dumped by his first love, okay, and also, like, you know, he also said that he was motivated to carry out his crimes from pornography, uh, he says that pornography, um, you know, was what really drew him to the nature of his crimes, and to quote him, all right, this is a direct quote from Mr. Bundy. He said, I've met a lot of men who were motivated to commit violent to commit violence just like me. And without exception, every one of them was deeply involved in pornography without question. That that is a real statement that Ted Bundy said that, like, you know, describing what drove him <laughs> to, uh, commit his, his acts, um, of violence and terror that he did. Um, right. Yes. So that's, um, that's that on Mr. Bundy. Right. And then we still have, don't, don't you leave us yet. We still mm-hmm. have that special announcement. Oh yeah. For you, ben, for those, for you Bundy girls. Yeah. At the end for of the all episode. those ladies that love Bundy, you know, because I'd be like, okay, I've seen him in all honesty. Yeah. That wouldn't, that wouldn't do it for me. Maybe for me guys though. For me guys, baby, I might have, I might have gone for that. But Gandhi, not nah, he, he didn't do it for me. I wouldn't, right. I wouldn't fall for that. Um. Anyways, uh, so uh, who who else we got on that list? So our next, um, so this one's actually a pair. Um, it's uh, Kenneth Bianchi and um, his cousin, uh, Angelo. Bruno Jr. Um, they were known as the Hillside Strangler Murders, um, and they had murdered um, some women in Washington. But at the end of the day, they had killed over twelve victims, and their crimes were from nineteen seventy seven to nineteen seventy nine. See, um, and they're the 70s. still serving. All this killed in the seventies. Yep, and it's all in California. It must have been something in the water. It must have been. Yeah. Um, so this one, I'm going to apologize in advance because you know that I'm not good with any type of um, language besides the English language, which, I mean, I'm still not even really that great with. Our next serial killer is our a Russian. His name is Andrei Romanovsky... Chikolatili. Oh, they're gonna come after us now. If you, I know, um, Andrei Romanovsky. 
Um, he was known as the Butcher of Rostock, the Red Ripper, or the Rostock Ripper, who sexually assaulted, murdered, and mutilated at least 52 women and children between 1978 to 1990 in the Russian SFSR, the Uranian SSR, and the Ubetsky SSR. Um, he confessed to 56 murders and was tried for 53 of these killings. In April 1992, he was convicted and sentenced to death for 52 of the murders in October 1992, although the Supreme Court of Russia ruled in 1993 that uh, insufficient evidence existed to revoke um, Schwabsky's guilt in nine of these murders. Um, he was still executed in February oh. 1994. Okay, I was going to say, if they still didn't kill this son of a bitch... I I, mean, I, I, I definitely think anything over 20 murders, like, you should definitely die for. Maybe even, like, five. Like, anything over five. Unless it was unless it was ex-husbands. Then, you know, I think the limit should be ten. <laughs> um, so, so the next one we have Last is we John Christie. Um, was an English serial killer and necrophile from Halifax who was active during the 1940s to the 1950s. He murdered at least eight people, including his wife, Ethel, by strangling them first in his flat. And then, um, so he ended up um, hanged by the neck until he was dead. Okay, they're still hanging. Yep, still hanging in there. <laughs> and then we have Dean Kroll, uh, an American serial killer who abducted, raped, tortured, and murdered at least 28 teenage boys and young men between 1970 and 1973 in Houston, Texas. So he had 28-plus victims, apparently. And, his, like I said, that his... Ooh, this was the one they called the Candyman. Or they also called him the Pied Piper. Oh, the candy man, though. Yeah, because he was just luring in those little boys. Sorry, that was terrible. Jesus Um, Christ. I mean, that's why they called him the goddamn candy man. The Pied Piper, he was just luring in the boys. He's like, you guys, some candy? Yeah, he's like, hey, you boys, you want some candy? Um, the next one is Wesley Allen Dodd, uh, an American serial killer convicted sex offender. In 1983, he sexually assaulted and murdered three young boys in Vancouver, Washington, um, and he was sentenced to death. And so the funny thing about this one is, I mean, not, not funny, but, um, when he, I actually like recently watched an interview, um, with him when he was on trial, and he was like, yeah, if you don't lock me up and sentence me to death, I'm just going to go out and kill and rape more boys. I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> what, what choice do we have here? Right? Like, it's like, oh, well. So he actually um, was executed by hanging, which is, I mean, obviously people don't really get hanged anymore. Yeah. The next one is Peter Norris Dupas, um, and an Australian serial, uh, serial killer currently serving three life sentences without parole for murder and primary for being a serious habitual offender. Um, he's a killer from Down Under. Yeah, he's, oh, um, 
has a sig- significant criminal history involving sex, serious sexual uh, and violent offenses with his violent criminal history spanning more than three dec- decades. And with every release from prison, he's been known to commit further crimes against women with increasing levels of violence. Jesus Christ, um, why do they even let this guy out? His criminal signature, wait, just wait for this. His criminal signature is to remove the breasts of his female victims. What the fuck? Did you say that this motherfucker is cutting off? The tatas? That was his signature. Yep. He, that was his signature to remove the breasts of his victims. I mean, he only had three to six victims, but still, like, that's a lot of boobies. What was he doing with those boobs? It doesn't really get too much into it right at the top, but. Because, like, I just, like, I don't know, like, you know, I'm not sure what he did with them. I mean, either way. It's, it's it's nothing and good. It, it kind of makes me bring up. It kind of makes me want to bring up somebody right now who I don't know if is on your list or not. But like the reason why I'm asking is because I want to know if you pulled an Ed Gein. I mean, I don't think um, I don't AKA think that's what she was doing. Here. But Ed Gein is on the list. Okay, yeah. Well, Ed Gein. Um, you know, if people don't know who he is. You probably should because you've definitely heard of characters inspired by him. Um, he's an infamous serial killer who's, who inspired the birth of three notorious killers in movies. Um, like the, like in Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and especially Silence of the Lambs. That's right, this is the real life Buffalo Bill. Um, Ed Gein. Wait, I thought he, he inspired Hannibal ha- Lecter. No, it's Buffalo Bill. Couldn't it be both? He has to. Hannibal Lecter is actually somebody actually real, was an actual therapist who did eat a couple of his victims. Um, but, anyways, we are talking about Ed Gein here. Um, Due to his attachments to his abusive mother, um, he, you know, they say that he went mad in her passing, and some people speculate that he quite possibly killed his own mother, but um, he also just had, he wanted to be a woman. A woman. Well, she used to dress him cool. up. I think that's where it started. Yeah. Was she used to dress him yeah. up to humiliate him. And yeah, um, and but he, he liked, liked it. it, and he wanted to become one. Um, you know when they when they when they raided his home after he was arrested after uh, killing uh, I believe it was like the mother of one of the sheriffs in the town of Plainfield. Um, you know he they had various items in his house. Um. You know, he was known, like, he had various items in his house, like, uh, he that he had made with human skin. He had chairs and lamps that were upholstered in human skin. He had bowls and, and like, um, like, you know, like cutlery that he had fashioned out of human bones. He had a box of female genitalia. 
that he supposedly would like stick into his own undergarments, you know, and dress. And this is where he uh, inspired the creation of Buffalo Bill because he was also baking a woman's suit out of women's skin and it's real and this is the guy that did it. Um, you know, uh, they never really have ever been able to decide how many victims actually were killed by his hand. He was only suspected of three, convicted on one, um, but they were never able to really determine what he did with any of them because he was known uh, as a grave right. robber because he would go in and he would dig up freshly dead bodies and he'd take them there. He had, like, scalp wigs. He would, you know, cut along the scalp lines. He would make human dolls out of body shapes of ones that he liked. He would put them on himself. Like, Well, he used to, he used to literally look in the paper for women that had died recently and then go dig up their bodies. Yeah. And, I mean, I think personally, well, from what I know about Ed Gein, that I definitely think that he definitely killed, there's two women that he definitely killed, and then he very possibly killed his brother yeah. because his brother died under very mysterious circumstances. So, um, yeah. But, and he lived alone and he was always known as like an outsider and kind of like a strange figure. But, um, you know, he was incarcerated and then he was moved into a mental institution. Where he died right. of cancer. And if you want um, to go see um, Ed Gein's Cauldron, it's at our good friend Zach Bagan's museum in Las Vegas. And I've been mm-hmm. there twice, and that room is fucking creepy. The people actually, it's the room is actually really cool because it's like an old barn. And the people yeah. who, or it's like set up like an old barn. And the people who designed that room actually were the set designers from American Horror Story. So, like, they have, it literally smells like a fucking old barn. It's super cool. So, I definitely highly recommend if you're ever in Vegas. Vegas, baby! That you... Yeah, baby! Good in Vegas! (laughs) You check it out. But they're not open on Tuesdays, so don't make the mistake that I do every time I go to Vegas is I go on, like, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then have to go, like, the day that we're leaving there. (laughs) They are not open on Tuesdays. You guys, they are not open on Tuesdays. So, like, just don't go. Just don't go on a Tuesday. Listen, the first time that we went, we almost saw him. If Linda just wouldn't have been dragging ass that morning, we probably would have saw him. Yeah, well, like, you know, hey, I mean, that's my wife. What do you expect? Well, our next man that we're going to talk about on this list is Mac Ray Edwards. He was an American serial killer. He's killed at least six children in Los Angeles County between 1953 and 1970. Oh, I hate children Um, killers. He ended up taking out the coward's way out and hung himself. Um, apparently, by suicide in prison. Yeah, because he's a bitch. He's yeah. a bitch. That's why. But I can't believe they were letting him live in prison. So, the next one no. is a very p- 
particular weirdo, Albert Fish. Albert Fish. Tell me about Albert He was an Fish. American serial killer, child rapist, and cannibal. He was also known as the Gray Man, the Werewolf of Wisteria, the Brooklyn Vampire, the Moon Maniac, and the Boogeyman. Fish once boasted he oh. had children in every state, and at one time he stated his number of victims was about 100. However, it is not... Um, Jesus Christ! It is not known whether he was referring to rapes or cannibalism, nor it was known in the statement was truthful. He was definitely, like, a, he was specifically, like, murdering people for sexual gratification. Um, there was uh, only three yep. confirmed victims, but it's possible that it numbered from nine to a hundred plus. And then... From nine to a hundred right. plus. And it, Jesus. Um, and this was happening um, in New York. So it can, continues on to say, Fish was a suspect in at least five murders during his lifetime. He confessed to three murders that police were able to trace the known homicide. And he confessed to stabbing at least two others. Fish was apprehended on December 13th, 1934 and put on trial for kidnapping the murderer of Grace Budd. Uh, he was convicted and executed by the electric chair on January 16, 1936. At the age of 65, his crimes were dramatized in the, 19, uh, the 2007 film The Gray Man, starring Patrick Bush as Fitz. Fish. Bashu. Maybe that's oh, not it. Oh, goodness. But. <clears throat> goodness Christ. Yeah, he was definitely a sick this, puppy. This guy. He's, yeah, like, oh my God. And then. Um, I'll let you, I'll say the name and then I'll let you take it from there. So the next one on my list is John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy. Yes. Uh, John Wayne Gacy. Known as the clown killer. Yes. Um, you know, he was somebody that was in his community. He would often dress as Hobo the Clown. Um, yeah, yeah, I believe that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, Pogo. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, Pogo. Yeah, Pogo the Clown. Um, he was also known for molesting teens who worked for him in addition to his notorious right. crimes. Um, he actually did spend 18 months in jail for sodomy before he moved um, and continued abusing young boys. Um, he started killing, though, in 1972. Um, he had his own landscaping company, and that's where he, you know, would sexually assault and strangle um, employees and other young male youths that were, you know, in his area. And he would bury them around his house. Um, you know, he wasn't even arrested until 1978, but he was convicted for 33 murders um, based off of what they found on his property. I mean, in all honesty, because he had moved, like, you know, it makes me wonder if they ever looked in other areas where he did live because he moved frequently because he was a pedophile 
and you know he was a serial uh, you know pedophile rapist like you know he would go after young young right. men he just couldn't get, hey Emma can you light that in here and can I have a little can I have a little taste <laughs> um but um he was um he but he was executed by lethal injection in 1994. Well, I would definitely say that he fucking deserved it. Yeah, he definitely did, you know, especially, like, I got another quote here, and, uh, one of his things that he would say, you know, is that he, like, you know, after he'd commit his acts, you know, uh, this is a direct quote from him, just throw him, just throw him down in the crawl space, you know, get rid of him. See, once young once you bury somebody, then it was already gone. So that's how we looked at it. And he just had a mass grave under his house. And he would just, just, that's how he would do it. Just dispose of them right on his own property. Right. I mean, obviously, if you're going to get rid of bodies, probably not on your own property is the, the smarter way to go. Yeah. He's like, all right, I'm just going to put, like, 33 bodies underneath my house. And that's that. Um, but also, yeah. um, John if Wayne you Gacy. are interested in seeing some of John, John Wayne Gacy's art, he also, um, John, Zach Baggins also has some of that at his museum, as well as some uh, Charlie <laughs> Manson artwork and some artwork from a couple other serial killers. Yeah. Although, I wouldn't necessarily say that Charles Manson is a serial killer, because he didn't technically, I mean, he killed, like, a couple people, but, I mean, when you do a lot of acid, like, obviously, especially when you do the government's acid. Right. <laughs> yeah. But we'll put that in another podcast yes, most definitely. another time. Um, our next, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Did you have anything mm-hmm. else you wanted to say about John Wayne Gacy? Mm-hmm. No, no, I was actually curious to see if Gary Ridgway was on your yes, list. Yes, he actually is wow. on my list as well. Yeah. If um, you want to talk about Green him, River you may certainly do that. Yeah, because, um, you know, he's notoriously known as the Green River Killer. Yes. Um, who had a very violent history. Um, as an adolescent, even when he was 16 years old, one of his only victims that ever survived was a six year old girl that he stabbed to death. Right. Uh, well, he, well, he didn't stab her to death. She lied, but he stabbed her several times, um, when he was 16. And, you know, that should have been a red flag there, but like, you know, they didn't. Um, and he was, uh, he had a thing for prostitutes and runaways that he would pick up, um, during the 80s and 90s and he felt like he was getting away with it um he felt like he was getting away with it he often discussed that and that's what kind of drove him with a lot of his killings um that actually brought him a lot of sexual sexual gratification um by by the act of killing these women while like while he some of them he even said that he did while he was having sex with them. Right. And then he would start to strangle them until they died and continued 
with their dead corpse. And then he would dump them, uh, um, their bodies near the Green River. You know, he was suspected of the killings, but he was released because they cleared him. Um, until 2001, when he was arrested again, and then he confessed to 71 unconfirmed murders and was sentenced to 48 consecutive life terms in 2003. Um, as far as I'm aware, and I didn't look, um, I'm pretty sure that he's still alive. Huh? Interesting. Um, serving his time. And I think that's crazy. Um, but yeah, he only he only started serving his time um, in two thousand and three. Interesting. Yeah. Well, speaking of two thousand and three, <laughs> this next mm. one um, is I'm so I'm not gonna try. He has two other names that he goes by, but the third name is Yang Lu. Was a Chinese serial killer who confessed to committing 67 murders and 23 rapes between 1999 and 2003. He was sentenced to death and executed for 67 of those murders. Um, He was dubbed the monster killer by the media, and um, he was the most prolific serial killer known in China um, since the People's Republic in 1949. Sick. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Um, Christopher Wilder, um, also known as the Ah. beauty queen killer, was an serial killer who abducted and raped at least 12 women, killing at least eight of them during a six-week cross-country crime spree in the United States in early uh, 1984. Um, the murders began in Florida on February 26, 1984, and continued across the country through Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, Nevada, and California. And there were attempted abductions in Washington and New York before he was killed during a struggle with police in New Hampshire in April 13th, 1984. You know why? Because New Hampshire gets it done. Live free or motherfucking die. I'm moving to My New Hampshire. Definitely hate me. I'm moving to New Hampshire. <laughs> it says here that God. Wilder was also believed to have raped two girls aged 10 and 12 in Florida in 1983. He's also considered a suspect in many um, unsolved murders ranging through that same time and the murder of two teenage girls in Sydney, Australia, where he had been living during the same period. So maybe somebody that will definitely come back, you know, touch on. Yeah, I think we'll return to him, definitely. Um, Because... Right, well, that's what I mean. Like... (laughs) (laughs) The more I hear about some of these lust killers, I'm just Oh, this next one's really fucked up, so... Fred West and Rosemary West uh, were an English couple who committed at least 12 murders between 1967 and 1987 in Gloucestershire. Their victims, um, between 12 and 13, all victims were young women at least. Eight of the murders involved the West's sexual gratification include raped, bondage, torture, and mutilation. The victims disembodied 
uh, dismembered bodies were typically buried in a cellar or the garden of the West Cromwell Street home in Gloucestershire, or in Gloucester, which became known as the House of Horrors. Fred is known to have committed at least two murders on his own, while Rose is known to have murdered Fred's stepdaughter, Charmaine. The couple were apprehended and charged in 1994. Fred West was fatally asphyxiated himself while on reprimand in H.M. prison in Birmingham on January 1st, 1995, at which time he and Rose were jointly charged with nine murders, and he um, had been charged of three more murders. Um, in November 1995, uh, Rose was convicted of 10 murders and sentenced to 10 life sentences for her crimes. Jesus. And that's also one of those really fucked up um, cases. The next one we're going to talk about is Chester Turner. He was an American convicted serial killer. He was convicted of the murders of 10 women in Los Angeles and also found guilty in the death of an unborn child of one of these victims. He was convicted of four additional murders on June 19, 2014. Prosecutors have called Turner one of the most prolific serial killers in the county's history. So he was convicted of 15 murders. They called him the Southside Slayer. Slayer. Sorry. Um, and he was sentenced to death for the 11 murders. And on June 26, 2014, um, he was sentenced to death for a second time for the additional four murders. So, yeah, he was uh, convicted of 15. Carla Faye Tucker um, was an American woman sentenced to death for killing two people with a pickaxe during a burglary. She, first, uh, she was the first woman to be executed in the United States since Velma Barnfield in 1984 and the first in Texas since Chiplita Rodriguez in 1863. She was convicted of murder in Texas in 1984 and was executed for by lethal injection after 14 years on death row due to her gender, gender and widely publicized controversy to Christianity. She inspired an unusually large national and international movement by advocating the communication of her sentence to life without parole, um, a movement that included a few foreign government officials, but she was <sighs> eventually sentenced to death on December 18th, 1984. And her two victims... Um, Goodness. Yeah. All right, and then... I'll let you kind of talk about this next one because I know that you know a little bit information about our good friend, uh, Jolly Jane Topin. Ah, yes, my lady Jolly Jane. Yeah, I know quite a bit about her. She is a notorious Massachusetts serial killer who probably has the highest body count for female serial killers in the New England area. She was uh, born in 1854. And she um, she's known as Jolly Jane, or some call her also the Angel of Mercy. Um, a little bit insight on her life. You know, she had a pretty, she had a pretty, like, you know, pretty crazy things and... I also think that, you know, she's a compelling case that showcases that, you know, 
insanity actually could just be a genetic trait. Since her father, who was known as Kelly the Crack, um, known as a very eccentric character um, after his wife died, they were Irish immigrants, um, but his madness drove him to sew his own eyes shut. Oh, in interesting. His own shop. Um, which is when, yeah, which is uh, where Jane was eventually relocated under the care of her grandmother, but who then relocated them to the Boston Female Asylum, which was um, an institution for um, female children um, that were abandoned or left alone or people couldn't take care of them right. anymore. Or like, yeah, there. like a lot of places would you be either um, like something like that or like, you know, girls were dropped yeah. off to convents, you know what I mean? To yeah. be raised by the nuns. Um, Jane, she, um, she was taken in by the okay. Toppin family, um, who were well known in Massachusetts. Um, and they renamed her Jane to cover oh. her Irish heritage. Yeah, because the Irish, you know, those dirty Irish. Um, yeah, because she was born, um, oh, uh, Hamora. Okay. Hamora Kelly, but they changed her name to Jane to cover the Irish heritage, where they didn't really adopt her to be a part of the family, but more as like, an aid right. to the family. Um, you know, so, um, she was known as a student, you know, she seemed very normal, she was very smart, um, but it wasn't until, um, because she was, she was engaged mm -hmm. with Tom Higgins, um, but he ended up like going off somewhere, taking off at some whatever time. And when he came back, he had married um, a woman named Elizabeth Brigham. And this is what really kind of shook her world up. She attempted suicide twice. And this is where her period of odd behavior began, um, you know, because she even, um, you know, some of the things that they said that she would try to do, she tried to predict the future by analyzing oh. her dreams. Um, but then she, you know, she reached another um, point of stability again in the 1980s. And then, uh, I mean, in the 1880s. And then she enrolled into, uh, enrolled, enrolled as a nursing student at, um, in the oh, hospital in Cambridge, Mass. All right. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things, you know, um, because like, you know, she excelled in all of her classes, but she was not like or respected. She was known to be a liar. Well, aren't um, most like, so, aren't most, like sociopaths like also like liars? Isn't that like a thing? Yeah. But like, you know, she was an acclaimed student. Because they supposedly say she had the workings oh, to become a doctor. Um, you know, but um, there were just claims of her, like, you know, because she was praised as a student in her academic workings. 
Um, but, you know, she caused a lot of trouble by blaming others for her faults and actions. Because this is where the red flags began. Um, supervisors and colleagues were often disturbed by her obsession with the autopsies. Um, you know, and she had two patients mysteriously die under her care, which, but those were dismissed shortly after, um, uh, she was, she forged all her necessary paperwork to become a private nurse, and then from over the next two decades from that point in time, she was hired by several New England families all over the state and throughout New England, caring for the ill and elderly, but very few survived right. her special treatment. Um, so this is where we get into the murders. Um, they believe that the first ones, um, probably started in 1885 when she was working at Cambridge Hospital, um, by using her patients as guinea pigs, experimenting with morphine and antrophine, um, altering, um, the prescribed doses to see, uh, what it would do to their nervous system, you know, she'd be making false charts for many patients, um, that were under her care before referring them to different hospitals and everything, because she would, she, you know, she'd make sure that she was covering her tracks, um, you know, she was, um, she even was fired, um, for her treatment methods when she was working at Massachusetts General Hospital in 1889, um, claimed several more victims before, uh, returning to Cambridge, um, you know, these, uh, you know, because of, uh, how she would be prescribing opiates and, you know, giving them all these different doses. And like, you know, this is where, like, this is some of the things that, like, you know, she was doing, like, you know, she would be, she would, she really would get off on bringing these patients, like, she'd be giving them all these lethal doses, and then she'd, like, supposedly, like, she admitted that she would disrobe and then climb into bed with them and hold on to them, you know, to get sexual gratification while they were on the brink of death, and then she'd bring them back to life. Um, you know, she'd bring them back to life you know, she'd play with them. She was, she would get more satisfaction off of it by doing that. Um, but they say that her initial killing spree started in 1895, um, by when uh, her first victims were her landlords, um, that she, that she killed with morphine, which was her favorite drug of choice. Um, those victims' names were Israel and Lavoy Dunham. Um, and then she killed a 70-year-old widow named Mary McNear. Uh, Interesting. Um, who she, she was taking care of as a private nurse. Um, but then she goes off onto her spree, which, you know, ended everything for her and led to her conviction. Well, she ended up winding up in a mental institution, really. Um, but when she arrived on Cape renting the Washington Ab Cottage in Katama in 19, uh, 1896 um, for several summers because she started working for the Davis family um, and 
uh, you know, would also stay at the Jason house, which was owned by the Al by Alden Davis. Um, and the Jason house was basically like a, a bed and breakfast in, um, yeah, Alden Davis himself yeah. had an odd reputation as a religious fanatic who defended the actions of Charles Friedman, um, who made, who was, you know, also like a very crazy religious um, fanatic who actually religiously sacrificed his own four-year-old daughter, Edith, um, who he stabbed to death to try to say that she would come back just like Christ, but obviously she didn't come back. Um, but Jane, uh, you know, took care of like two families in the Pocasset area of like, of uh, like, you know, that Pocasset born area of Cape Cod, which, um, which is why we've discussed her before in the past. Because we were covering some things on the yep, Cape, no, most but definitely. you know, like that was really this... what led to her downfall. Um, because during her trial, she openly admitted that she was sexually aroused by the death of her patients. Right. Um, it like you know, it really turned her on, and what really like drove her with her killings was basically all for sexual gratification of somebody dying. Given we have no records of what happened to her, like from that time period where she wasn't in her grandmother's care or under the care of the Toppin family, you know, we don't know what happened in the Boston uh, female asylum. You know, we don't know what traumas could have happened there. So let's just put her in a mental institution where she supposedly also would um, make comments to both the staff and other guests. Right. Just grab the morphine, honey, is something I guess she would always say. Let's grab the morphine and have a little fun. So the next one is Sean uh, Gillis, who is an American serial killer who stalked, oh, kidnapped, yeah. raped, murdered, and mutilated eight Louisiana women between 1994 and 2004 in Baton Rouge Metro and the surrounding areas. Um... The, so he was charged with three counts of first-degree murder and three counts of ritualistic acts in the murders of 29-year-old Catherine Hall, 45-year-old Joni May Williams, and 43-year-old Donna Burnett. Um, Gillis confessed to the murders with little coercion and informed investigators about five women who he had murdered. The smug little motherfucker. They all have those fucking right? mustaches. <laughs> I don't know if I can trust a mustache man. I don't think so either. I think something just about mustaches makes me remind of me of cops and fucking right? serial like killers. Serial killers, cops, pedophiles. You know, I mean, except for when Brandon Boyd had a mustache. I was, I was totally about that one. Um... Um, can you feed the cats too? Because the cats are starving. Well, pumpkins circling feed the cats. me, I guess. Feed the cats. 
Well, pumpkin, he's gonna stop to um, death. I know, right? Pumpkin's definitely not gonna starve to death anytime soon. The next one we're gonna talk about is Harvey Glattman, uh, who is an American serial killer active during the 1950s. He was known as the Lonely Hearts Killer or the Glamour Girl Slayer. Um, he used several pseudonyms posing as a professional photographer to lure his victims with the promise of modeling careers. Um, he was executed by gas chamber and he had killed at least four oh victims. The next one is, let's see. Um, you know that I'm not good with Russian names. Um, Segri Golubkin. Yeah. I... Uh, he was a Soviet Russian serial killer convicted of killing 11 boys between the ages of 15, uh, sorry, sorry, 10 and 15 in Moscow between 1986 and 1992. Um, Golubkin also was known as the Fisher or the Boa torture, raped, and killed young boys in his garage basement um, and the forests outside of Moscow. Jesus Christ. And he was sentenced to death. Good. Um, Good and it's believed that he killed up. Yes, he was um, sentenced to death by shooting. Oh, so, they you know, shot him to the death. Russians keeping it real. Yeah, they were like, fuck this motherfucker. Um, I'm going to fill him up. So, and he had up to 13 victims. The next one is Charles Ray Hatcher, um, who is, had confessed to murdering 16 people between. 1969 and 1982. Um, let's see. Wow, he has this guy has like a shit ton. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So he has like 17 like fake names Jesus that he used to go by. Talk about like talk about like all these different like altars that he was like you know taking right so yeah he just had all these like alter egos oh um, my god not crazy so he adopted a 12 year old boy and then strangled him um took him to a creek and strangled him he also killed a six-year-old boy who he sexually assaulted and beat to death um, so he was another, you know, obviously fucking sicko. Oh, um, Jesus, like, you know, like, it, it's crazy to me, just like, how, how, like, I wish there was a way to, like, screen people, you know, because, right. I mean, these are just ones that we know of that, like, you know, have had some type of history, but could, Right, and then, yeah, there's, I mean, obviously, we're still yeah. going. Like, there's still, like, I think I'm probably about halfway through oh, this list. Shit. <laughs> um, the next one is Gary M. Hidnick. Um, he was an American murderer who kidnapped, tortured, and raped six women, killing two of them while holding them prisoner in a pit in his basement in Philadelphia. And he died of lethal injection in July 1999. All right. So another one I don't agree with is our good Luca friend Magnota. Luca Magnota. Oh He's my on this list. Yeah. But I, I, I was going to say, he's really on this list? Classify him because, I mean, yeah, that 
this list that I found, um, that it is on Wikipedia. Um, he is apparently under this, but I mean, I guess because he lured somebody to have sex with him, but like, I don't even know because like he wasn't getting off on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, cause I, he wasn't. So like, I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know why, um, he's on this list. Cause I definitely don't agree. Yeah. I was going to say. He should be on this. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say he's a lust killer. I mean, unless he's the, uh, uh, okay. I mean, unless it's, like, the okay. lust for attention. Like, yeah, because, like, I was gonna say, like, I'm kind of surprised that he came up on this list, too, to be honest. Um, and moving mm-hmm. on, obviously, continuing on with this trend, um, another one now, is Jack with the that one, though, I really am not sure if we could I mean, obviously, because of the... I'm going to say that quite possibly. It might... I'm going to say he is a lust killer. But we also have never been able to confirm who Jack the Ripper is. We don't know know whether it's a man or woman or or if it's a doctor or a midwife. Which is a theory that I think, like, I've only heard a couple of people express. um, Because, like, I don't think anybody's ever really thought about it like that. Um, My personal theory is that I think it was kind of, I think it was like a club. I think it was like a club. I think it was like a private right. club of like four well, people. Well, a lot of people that think were, that it was that's um, my Jack the Ripper. I don't think Jack the Ripper is just one person. I think it's four different people that had this weird part. Right. Well, yeah. I think that it became well, like a, almost kind like of a like, oh, you did this one. Well, I'm gonna do mine this way. Uh, this is how this is how I would kill this. Right. Yeah. Or they were, this was like an, an early cult. Like yeah. everybody was like, or like a gang yeah, where they had to kill to whatever. Or it's yeah, just a bunch awesome. of wealthy socialites, you know what I mean, that would go out and kill poor people um, and whores. Well, thanks for tuning in to this part one of our Lust Killers series that we're doing. Um, hopefully you enjoy talking about all of these fucked up individuals. I guess that's pretty much the best way to. Yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody kind of has this thing for serial I mean, killers, yeah, for so the I most think. part, or at least is fascinated it. with what makes a serial killer. Obviously, you know, whenever we are yes. talking about serial killers or, um, people of this, we're not praising them we're not trying for we you know we're not saying that this is cool this is what you you know this is what you want to aspire to but there are specific individuals obviously that you know we've never seen anything like that before so it's fascinating to us to you know Mm -hmm. see what you know the human psyche really uh is capable of (laughs) capable of a lot of things and we are going to keep Diving into these yes. crazy motherfuckers. So tell you. stay tuned, and you know I hope you could handle the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Stay weird. Always. <laughs>